Hello and welcome to What the Bible Says podcast, where we seek to find answers to the questions that you ask. The goal for every podcast is to answer questions only using the Bible, as we believe the Bible is still relevant to answer questions today. Although some of the volunteers in this group attend local churches, we are not supported by any church or denomination in any way, shape, or form. We receive no funding from any congregation or organizations. Let's search together what the Bible says. On this week's episode of What the Bible Says, we're going to be looking at the question of what does the Bible say about divorce? You know, this is a question that that many have. It's definitely one of the top Google search questions regarding the Bible, and there's a reason for that. Uh, Statistics show that there's about 40 to 50 percent of all marriages in the United States end in divorce. And so as a result of this, it's a question that, that many have. What does the Bible say about it? And so we're going to look at this question today. We're going to go to the Bible. We're going to go to Scripture and see what God's Word has to say regarding divorce. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with looking at the institution of marriage and what God says about divorce. Before we get into divorce, divorce is as a result of uh, rough, bad marriages. So who instituted marriage? And that's what we're going to look off or look at to start off. I want to look at Matthew 17:5 with you, though, real quickly before we get into the institution of marriage and looking at who has all authority. And there's a reason why we're starting with this. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, we read, While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. This is on the Mount of Transfiguration, and God showing that Jesus has all authority, that we are to hear him. What he says in matters. We even see that at the end of the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, as the book is concluding, we read Jesus saying that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And the reason why we start here is because that's where we're going to go. We're going to go to the words of Jesus and see what he has to say regarding divorce. In Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 3 and going through verse 9, Jesus is asked a question by the Pharisees. The Pharisees here in verse 3 came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And here's Jesus' response to them, starting in verse 4. He said, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them, uh, made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then there are no longer two or that so then there are no longer two but one flesh therefore what god has joined together let not man separate so we see that there what god has joined together let not man separate they come back and and they 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 respond or ask him why then did moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away jesus responded in verse 8 moses because of the hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. We recognize some points here as we go through Jesus' response regarding divorce. Is it lawful? 
Is it something that is okay? To start, we recognize and we realize who instituted marriage. That's where Jesus goes. He starts off in verses 4 through 6 whenever he answers this question and takes them back to the beginning. He says, have you not read? He who made them at the beginning made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother be joined together with his, with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He takes them back to Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24, when you get to the end uh, of, of, of the creation account, we read there starting in verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from, the, uh, from man, he made into woman. And he brought her to the man, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. What we recognize here is who instituted marriage. And this is important that we understand who instituted marriage. The fact is, God was the one that instituted marriage. That this is a God-ordained thing. This is not something that was instituted by man. And this is important to understand because if God is the one who institutes marriage, then who then has the ability or the authority to separate? And that's what Jesus' next point is. Since God is the one that instituted marriage, God is the only one that has the ability or the authority to separate that marriage. He concludes in verse 6, So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So this is not an institution of man. This was an institution of God regarding marriage. So when it comes to uh, separation of the marriage, when it comes to divorce, who has the authority to separate that marriage? No one does. The only one who does is God. Divorce is not to occur unless authorized by God. There uh, is no other man on this earth can do it. It's not a government thing. It's not a civil authority thing. Whatever the civil authorities say is irrelevant in this matter. I realize in most countries that there are uh, marriages and certificates and, and, and you're married according to the state and those types of things. That's not so. Marriage was instituted by God, and marriage can only be ended, or the separation can only occur, occur if authorized by God, regardless of what the civil authorities or government says, regardless of what a church official or leader might say. God is the only one that has the authority to separate a marriage, not the husband and wife, and not the church officials or leaders, and not a counselor. See, nobody else has the authority to do it because this was not instituted by man. This was instituted by God regarding marriage. And if God instituted it, as Jesus said, then no man is to separate that marriage union and that institution. God's the only one that has the authority to do that. And we see that in Romans chapter 7, verses 2 through 3. Here in this case is being used as a metaphor or an explanation of the law of Moses and the law of Christ. But we see how long marriage is to last. Starting in verse 2, For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, 
she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. What we see is this. Marriage is to be for life. You know, we say that most of the time in vows. I realize and recognize sometimes people might not say that. And especially in today's day and time, some things might uh, be working in another direction where people might not want to say that. But a lot of times what we say is, till death do us part. That's the idea that we have here. And there's a reason for it. Because God instituted it, and man is not to separate what God has joined together. So, how long is marriage? How long should it last? Can we get a divorce? What Jesus responds with, and what God says, is that it is for life. So, does God then authorize divorce in any way, manner, shape, or form? Is there any reason why one can get a divorce? This is where Jesus continues in Matthew 19. Whenever they come back and they ask him in verse 7, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put away her wife? He said to them, Moses, because the hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. So we have the one exception to the rule, the one way in which God authorizes and allows a divorce to occur. What that is, is sexual immorality. We know what that is. It's adultery or fornication. Somebody committing that act outside of the marriage relationship. It is then and only then that divorce is allowed. And I want you to pay attention to that. This is the only grounds for divorce. This is the only means um, of authority that we have for one or for a couple to get a divorce. It's based on or because of sexual immorality. Notice that. Notice that it's not because the romance is gone. Notice that it's not because I don't have that feeling anymore that I had back when we were dating. Notice that it isn't because we have financial issues and struggles. And notice that it isn't just because God wants me to be happy. None of these are reasons that the scripture gives and what the Bible gives for a divorce. First, we recognize and we realize that marriage is a union that was instituted by God and that no man is to separate that union. The only one that has the authority to do that is God and the only authority that we have from Scripture, from God, to be able to do that is sexual morality. Not all these other uh, excuses, reasons, so many used today that's included in that number of 40 to 50% of marriages ending in divorce. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, Jesus puts it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Recognize that there. Not only are we not to be those who divorce, 
We're not to separate what God has joined together. If you do divorce for any reason other than sexual immorality, what you do is you put a stumbling block in front of your spouse. What you do is you open up the door and give way for temptation and for sin to come about. And you will have to answer for this. You will have to answer for being that one that does that. So we need to understand the seriousness behind this. Luke 16, verse 18, Jesus puts it pretty plainly and pretty simply. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. Whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. Put simply, what we recognize is this, that we are not to divorce and remarry another. We are not to marry one who has been divorced. The only exception, whenever we hold fast the pattern of sound words and we bring all that's said from Jesus regarding divorce, the only exception for divorce is sexual immorality. And the only one that has the authority in that case to go, go and remarry is the innocent party in that situation. And so the scripture is pretty clear regarding divorce. You know, that's the thing about it. And that's the thing about a lot of the scripture. The Bible, a lot of times, really isn't that hard to understand, isn't that hard to figure out. The problem comes in whenever we got to make that application to our life. Divorce isn't really that hard of a topic to understand on the basis of, well, what does the Bible say about it? Jesus is straightforward. You're not having to sift through a whole bunch of different um, scriptures or a whole bunch of different uh, uh, words or anything like that to come to a conclusion. It's pretty straightforward of what constitutes uh, marriage, who instituted it, and the fact that we're not to separate that and that there's only one means, grounds of divorce. It's up to each and every one of us to make sure we are handling ourselves properly and just obeying what Scripture says. But you know, along with this, while divorce is common and we recognize that at the beginning, what ultimately ends up happening is you end up having a lot of unlawful marriages that come up as a result of these divorces. People getting divorced and remarrying for reasons that uh, are not scriptural, that are not based on uh, sexual morality, as we discussed. What we end up having is marriages that are unlawful. And a marriage can be unlawful. We need to recognize that. A marriage where you do not have the right to be in that marriage relationship. And whenever we're talking about a lawful or an unlawful marriage, we're not talking about what the courts or civil authorities say is lawful or unlawful. We need to understand and recognize that we are discussing what God says is lawful or unlawful. Lawful. Remember, who instituted marriage? It was God. And what man, or what God has joined together, we are not to let man separate. And so, want to look just real quickly at a couple examples of unlawful marriages and what was said about them. Was it okay to, for one to be in a relationship or a marriage that they know that they had no right being in? I want to first look at Mark chapter six, verses sixteen through eighteen. We read here, but when Herod heard. He said, this is John, who I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, 
his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her, because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Recognize what's going on here. This is John the Baptist pointing out to Herod that he was wrong for the marriage that he had with Herodias. Why? Because Herodias was Philip's wife. Philip is the brother of Herod. Herod had married Herodias. This marriage was unlawful because she was Philip's wife. It's not a matter of incest here. That's where a lot of people go with this. The issue was not it's a matter of incest that you have marrying within the family. The issue and what made it unlawful was that Herodias was Philip's wife. And as a result of that, Herod had no right to marry her. In John chapter 4, verses 15 through 18, we read about the woman at the well. Whenever she says in verse uh, 15, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus then responded to her, You have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. Recognize what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, you do have a husband, but you spoke right from from the standpoint of you have somebody that, that you claim to be your husband. But he tells her that you spoke rightly. Why? Because those other men, uh, be, because your husband that you have right now is not your husband due to the fact that you had unlawful divorces. In other words, the marriage that you have right now is unlawful. And so what we're laying out is this. There is a sense in which one can have an unlawful marriage. And this brings us to Ezra chapter 10. The reason why I want to look at Ezra chapter 10 is because we see what the response needs to be whenever one recognizes that they are in an unlawful marriage relationship. We see in Ezra chapter 10, reading in verse 3, this is after Ezra has come to the understanding that the children of Israel have married foreign women. And in verse 3 of chapter 10, we read, Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and those who have been born to them, according to the advice of my master and of those who tremble at the commandment of our, uh, of our God, let it be done according to the law. We recognize from Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, that the children of Israel were not to marry those in the land they were sent to conquer. They were not to marry these foreign women. There was not to be these marriages that occurred. But we get here, and they have married them. And that made these marriages unlawful. So what does Ezra say in verses 10 and 11 of Ezra chapter 10? Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have transgressed and have taken pagan wives, adding to the guilt of Israel. Now therefore, pay attention to this. Now therefore, make a confession to the Lord God of your fathers and do his will. Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the pagan wives. Recognize what was said there. What was said there is you are in an unlawful marriage. Your current marriage relationship that you have is unlawful. And it wasn't just a matter of confessing and saying that I'm sorry and repenting of that from the standpoint of, okay, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm no longer going to do it. But a true repentance that occurred, a change in the doing the will of God meant that they were to separate from those unlawful marriages. 
even though there was a, the, these were marriages that had been going on for a while, even though these were those who had kids even in their marriages, what we recognize and what we realize is that a change had to occur. True repentance requires removing oneself from that which is unlawful. So they were to not only confess that they were wrong, but they were to make that change. And so we make this application. What must be done in the event of an unlawful marriage? We go back to what we looked at in Matthew chapter 19, and we understand and we recognize that one who is divorced for any reason outside of being the innocent party in the event of sexual morality cannot remarry. We also recognize that one cannot marry someone who is married or has been divorced unless that one is the innocent party in the event of sexual immorality. If there is a marriage that one or both parties have been in a previous marriage and that marriage ended due to something other than the death of their spouse or them being the innocent party of sexual immorality, then the current marriage is unlawful and the two need to separate. And that's what the Bible says according, uh, regarding this issue of divorce, even getting into the issue of remarriage. Divorce is something that, as we read in Malachi 2.16, God hates, and we see why. Because there are so many tentacles and so many people that are affected by divorce. It's not just the couple. It's the families. And in the, cases, in the case with Ezra, speaking to the children of Israel who were in unlawful marriages, children get involved. This is why we need to take serious the institution of marriage. This is why we need to take serious before one does get married. A lot of thought and prayer needs to be done, and a proper understanding of the lifelong commitment that one is making needs to be considered. And that is because of what we see the Bible saying regarding divorce. Marriage was instituted by God, and he alone has the authority to separate, to separate what he has joined together. And the separation occurs at the passing of a spouse and can occur in the event of sexual immorality. And one who is separated from the marriage bond due to the death of a spouse, that, that one can remarry. But only the innocent party and sexual immorality can remarry. So we need to understand the seriousness of this. You don't understand the seriousness of a marriage and the fact that it can be unlawful. And if one is in an unlawful marriage, they need to separate from that. Hope this study has been helpful. And I hope it's one that, that, that causes you to, to think and to consider what God has to say on this issue. Because there are a lot of people out there who have a misunderstanding when it comes to divorce. We see divorce happening for every reason under the sun. And very, very few of those times do we see it because of sexual immorality which is the only exception that is given marriage is something that is, that's inst instituted by god and that is to be for life thank you for listening thank you for listening if you have any questions about what was said in this episode or any topics you would like us to cover in the future, please visit our website at whatthebiblesays.co where you can submit your questions or suggestions. There is also a place on our website if you are interested in scheduling a more personal Bible study with one of the Christians in this group. Lord willing, see you next episode.